Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches as we're wrapping up our series entitled Winning the War in Your Mind. And today, we're going to be talking about an issue that has affected six out of 10 teenagers, college students, and adults in 2021. One out of every three adults will experience some disorder that is almost disabling to them at some issue or some point in their life. And because of what's going on in our world, especially in the last week or so, it's become a real issue at a whole nother level for a whole lot of other part of our segment of our population as well. And some of you are saying, what is this issue that is affecting so many people? And it's this issue of anxiety. And the reason that we're talking about that in this series of winning the war in your mind is this, is you cannot combat it if you don't know what created it. And I don't want you to miss that. You can't combat it if you don't know what creates it. And we're gonna talk more about that in just a moment. But first, just let me remind all of you at all of our churches, if you are not in a small group or your leader is not taking your group through discussion with us, you can get the discussion guides for your own personal processing, your own spiritual growth at rivertown.cc forward slash messages. And as we've said throughout this whole series, if you are an overachiever, as many of you are here at RCC, let me just uh, just recommend a book that I think will help you in this. Is this the whole series is based upon God's Word, but this book has kind of been a guide as well. It's Craig Rochelle's book, latest book, Winning the War in Your Mind. It's probably one of the best tools that I've ever seen to helping you work through the transformation of your mind to have that renewed mind. The Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm telling you, it will be worth you grabbing a copy of the book or a copy of the workbook so that you can go deeper and gain ground in this whole battle for your mind. Because this battle for your mind, it is invisible spiritual warfare. And um, as we've talked about so many times, uh, we, don't, we are not aware of that kind of warfare going on. We think those thoughts are our thoughts and really uh, it's spiritual warfare that are going in our minds. So for the past three weeks, what we've done, especially if you're just new with us today, we've discovered that your mind is really the most powerful tool that you have. Because as Solomon said, somewhere around 700 BC, he said this, he says, you need to be careful, literally don't be careless what you think, be careful what you think because your thoughts, they run your life. Now, we oftentimes, as we've said, we think other things run our life. We think our spouse runs our life, our parents run our life, our children run our life, our boss, our coworkers, someone else, our teachers run our life. But Solomon says, no, you need to be careful what you think because when you really boil it down, what really runs your life is your thoughts. So according to Solomon, he basically says most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind which means relationship battles, uh, personal battles, financial battles, like any kind of battle, any kind of struggle that you have in your life, most of life's battles are won and lost in your mind. Or another way to say it is this, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So the life that we're living, the emotions that we are feeling, see, all of those things that we're experiencing, they're really the result of the strongest thoughts that we're thinking. 
Now, here's what I know about every one of us. None of us, we, we don't want our thoughts to be filled with anxiety, and we, we don't want them to be negative as we talked about last week. But many of us, we're absolutely struggling with our minds racing with negative thoughts, and we have all these irrational worries, and we don't know how to stop them, and it's creating so much anxiety and so much stress in our life. In fact, many of us, we deal with constant runaway worries or constant runaway thoughts to the level that you have started worrying about some things that are just kind of like normal. Things like, well, will I be able to make a good grade on a test? Or will they be mad at me over what I said? I, I didn't mean anything by it, but I, I wonder if they'll be mad about it. Or will everything be okay with this little health scare that I'm facing? Or will my kids be able to handle the pressure and the conflict that they're facing at school? So what happens is it starts out with like this normal worry and then it turns into this runaway train. You ever had that? For example, let me just show you how it works in our minds, right? Works in my mind this way until I take these thoughts in captivity. And that's, I, if you haven't heard this series, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to each, ser- each part of this series because we teach you how to take every thought into captivity, how to lean into God's truth, how to lean in his divine power, because otherwise you're going to have all these runaway thoughts. So example, how it works. You're worried about getting the project right at work because if you don't get that project right, then people may start to think, well, you don't have what it takes to be part of this team. And then your boss may figure out, okay, you don't have what it takes to be part of the team, so then you're gonna lose your job and you can't pay your bills and then you're gonna end up in, your, in debt and your children won't have what they need for food, clothing, and shelter and then they're gonna turn into a life of crime and they're gonna end up in jail and you're absolutely gonna be devastated. And then you realize just thinking about all that, it, gives you, it gives you a headache and now you're worried you might have a brain tumor. And now you're even more worried because you're thinking, I might not even live long enough to see my kids grow up. And and here we go again through another cycle, another runaway train. Some of you had several of those last night during the night. Some of you had some this morning. Some of you did that all the way to church, right? Now, here's the thing. We kind of laugh because it seems ridiculous. And you know I'm exaggerating a little bit. But we all experience those runaway worries that lead to real feelings of anxiety and stress in our lives. Now, here's why that happens. In your brain, God has given you this little almond-shaped area that is called the amygdala, right? And this amygdala, it is wired for your survival, See, this is the part of your brain that kicks in anytime you are in danger. This is the fight or flight part of the brain that sends you like this surge of adrenaline whenever you see a snake or you see a spider or you see a cat or, or you see this intruder in your house. I just had to put that in there. See, God gives us this little part of our brain for our protection. Don't miss this. God gives us this part of our brain for our protection. It's an incredible gift. However, it's not objective. There is nothing rational from the amygdala. It's just reactive. It's hardwired to protect you, but it is easily triggered. 
which might why some of you are so easily triggered because this is so easily triggered, which means if you went through something that was scary or traumatic or difficult at some point in your life, what's going to happen is your amygdala is going to trigger you to feel anxious and afraid whenever you're in another situation further down the road that reminds you of what you experienced, even if there's no danger or this person's not like the other person before or this situation's not really like the situation before. Now, fortunately, God gave you another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. This is the rational part of your brain. This is the logical part of your brain. Your children come into this world with this still developing. It's why some of them don't make rational decisions, right? So this is the rational, the logic. It was a pair. (laughs) So here's what happens. Whenever you hear that noise in your house, what happens is the amygdala screams, you're going to die. They're going to break in your house and they're going to kill you. Well, the prefrontal cortex just says, no, that's just that stupid cat that you have. (laughs) There's a logical explanation, not for having a cat, but for the noise that you're hearing. Right? So here's the thing. Whenever you're feeling anxious and whenever you're feeling worried, it means that your amygdala is overriding your prefrontal cortex. And here's the thing. You can't combat the anxiety unless something changes in that process. And that's where our friend, the Apostle Paul, comes back into our story today, in our conversation today. So during this series, you know, that we have been following the Apostle Paul on his journey of winning the war in his mind. And we've explored how the Apostle Paul, he learned to take every thought into captivity, how to lean into God's divine power and replace all of those lies with truth, and then to train his mind and align his mind. And as we talked about last week, refilter and reframe everything with God's perspective. Now, you got to understand something about the Apostle Paul because we tend to miss this whenever we study God's word. We think that he had his act together because he wrote most of the New Testament. He, He planted most of the churches in the known world at that time. But the thing you have to understand from studying the Apostle Paul's life is he battled anxiety just like the rest of us. But he learned to use the tools that God has given us to transform and to renew his mind. And here's the thing. While we don't have scientific, or or he didn't have scientific knowledge to back up what he learned, we now know that what the Apostle Paul said is scientifically true. In fact, science is just now catching up with the Bible. So here's the thing. The Apostle Paul, he is sitting imprisoned in a Roman prison cell. And the situation that he's in, as I shared with you last week, it would make anyone anxious and afraid because he knew that this imprisonment, it could end up in his death. I mean, he knew that he could go to trial and they could accuse him of some, you know, being treason against, you know, the Romans. And guess what? It would end up in his death. Well, the Apostle Paul, he actually wrote to the Philippians, and explained how we all can combat our anxious mind. Notice what he says. Here's Philippians chapter four, verse six. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, here's the thing I know. Whenever we read this, do not be anxious about anything, most of us just think, okay, that's irrational. 
That's illogical. That's impossible. But I want you to pause there for a moment. Because see, most of us, when we read something like this, and we, after we get past the irrational, illogical, impossible kind of thing, then we go, does the Apostle Paul really mean not to be anxious about everything? Like everything? Does that include that big test that determines your career and your future? Does, does that mean your job situation that really determines your financial future? Does that determine, mean your health situation that you're dealing with? Does, does it mean all of those really tough decisions that you might have to face in the future, whether you're gonna have enough money or whether you'll ever get married or whether your kids will be okay? Does he really mean don't be anxious about any of those things? And the answer is yes. When he says don't be anxious about anything, he literally means not to be anxious about everything, nothing. So why would he say that? Because after all, we deal with anxiety in some of the situations of our life, don't we? There, there's some situations that are really big deals. So why would he tell us, hey, don't be anxious about anything? Because there's some things that really can cause anxiety in our lives. Here's why the Apostle Paul tells us not to be anxious. Because it's not because those things don't matter. It's not because those are not scary situations. And here's the thing. As, as we're going to discover in what he says next, you don't have to be anxious about anything. Because see, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. You need to understand that. That's why he's saying this. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's bothering you really bad, it matters to your heavenly father. He's paying attention and he cares. So he says, you, you don't have to be anxious about anything, but instead, here's what he says you can do. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but... This is the contrast. Instead of being anxious, he says, but in every situation, in every situation, and he means in every situation, there's no situation too large, there's no situ situation too small. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So the apostle Paul says, hey, the antidote to worry or anxiety is to take whatever is creating stress in your life and you talk to God about it. You, you tell him what's worrying you. You, you tell him what you need. You, you tell him what's making you anxious. And you, and you remember in this prayer process that, hey, if it's bothering you, it matters to your heavenly father. That's why he says, don't be anxious about anything but in every situation. In other words, the Apostle Paul, he's, he says, listen, in every situation, you talk to God about it. Or as the Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter tells us, he says, I want you to cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. And, and that's so comforting because when you think about Peter and his relationship with Jesus, you understand that he knew that from personal experience. Even when Peter denied Jesus and walked away from Jesus, he realized that even when he hurt his relationship with Jesus, he broke his relationship with Jesus for a moment, it never broke Jesus' care for him. He still cared for him. 
Now, that's not all we need to remember. The apostle Paul says, hey, while you're doing that, while you're casting all your cares on God, I want you to pause and I want you to give thanks. I want you to thank God for what you do have. I want you in this process to thank God for what is right. I want you to thank God for what is right in your life. Tell him what is making you anxious, but then tell him what's made you blessed. And why? I'll explain that in a moment, but first, here's what he promises if you do this. And the peace of God, isn't that what we all want in this situation or this, this season of our life? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, literally you won't be able to explain it all. It will guard your hearts and what else will it guard? Your minds, those minds that just tend to run away and be runaway trains. And how will it do it? In Christ Jesus. So when you feel anxious or when you feel worried, what should you do? Well, the, act, the answer is actually pretty simple. But applying it, living it out, it's not that simple. It, it takes intentional effort. So what do you do? You pray with thanksgiving until the peace comes. That's what you do. If you're having anxious thoughts, you pray with thanksgiving until the peace comes. Don't focus on the problem only. What that will do is that will just create more worry, which will create greater anxiety in your life. So you focus on God who is bigger than your problem. And he says, and guess what that does? That creates the peace of God. So you take your problem to the one and only who can handle it. And he cares about you. And better than that, he cares for you as well, which means you, you don't need to worry. That's what Paul is telling us. You don't need to worry. You trust it over to your father's hand. So here's what we need to remember from that. Prayer with thanksgiving will give you peace. Now, here's, here's the thing about this. A lot of times, this whole thing of prayer, especially prayer with thanksgiving, it's like the last resort. But the Apostle Paul's point is, you and I, we have the ability and we have the access to talk to our Heavenly Father about anything, about everything. And here's the other thing he's telling us, and our Heavenly Father has the power to handle anything that we talk to him about. So the big question would be, what are we waiting for? Now, let me just go ahead and say what some of you are sitting there thinking. You're saying, I've seen that passage before. I've heard that passage before, but it doesn't seem to work for me. And some of you have been sitting there going, yeah, that's, that's what I would expect to hear from any church or any pastor. Because, you know, just a quick here's, so to give you a little quick answer. And here's how you fix this problem. And that's what I expect to hear from church, right? Doesn't help me though. And I get that. But the apostle Paul he knew how this worked. And you go, how did he know how this worked? Because he was practicing this as he wrote it. Remember, he's sitting in a Roman prison cell and he's having to overcome his own anxious thought about a possible trial and then his death. I mean, remember, his imprisonment could lead to death. So he is buying what he's selling. And what makes this even more amazing is he didn't have the science to even explain how this worked, but now science is catching up with the Bible and we do have the science to explain this. See, we know that God 
He wired our brains in such a way that prayer produces peace and it guards our minds. So let me just kind of show you the science behind what the Apostle Paul encouraged us and challenged us to do. See, neuroscientists now know that our brains can change. They, they now understand that our brains are not fixed, that they can rewire themselves. And neuroscientists have discovered that prayer, literally talking to God and listening to God, it is a powerful way to change the chemistry of your brain. If your chemistry tends to be toward negativity and anxiety, you, through prayer, you, you can start changing that. In fact, Dr. Carolina Leaf is a cognitive neuroscientist who's been studying the brain-mind kind of connection since the early 80s, and her findings are absolutely fascinating. In fact, I remember one of the most life-changing things I did about 10 years ago was to do a course that she did on the whole process of, of transforming your mind through the word, of, you know, using God's word and, and, and rethinking these processes. It's amazing. So in her best-selling book, Switch Your Brain, she writes this. Don't miss this. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer. Don't miss this part. 12 minutes of daily focused prayer. See, some of you say you pray, it's 12 seconds, and it's only focused for that 12 seconds. God, get me out of this jam. God, fix this. God, you know my kids. Take care of them or I will. You know, that kind of thing. So it, get this. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Now, that is absolutely amazing, isn't it? I mean, just like those toxic and negative thoughts harm your brain, what she's saying is what the Apostle Paul wrote almost 2,000 years ago, prayer heals your brain. It rewires the neural pathways so that your strongest thoughts become godly thoughts and it moves your life in a positive direction instead of a negative direction. So then if we know that, why do we worry? Why do we worry? We worry because we let our thoughts, we don't take those worrisome thoughts into captivity. We let those thoughts, that we, we just obsess about those things that create fear and anxiety in us. So here's what I want you to understand. In fact, you might want to write this next stuff down. Worry is focused thinking on what is out of control. That, that's, that's what worry is. It is focused thinking on what is out of control. And the problem is, is we don't think that we have any control over worry. But that's why the Apostle Paul says, no, you need to take every thought into captivity. So we do have control over those worrisome thoughts. In fact, God gave you that prefrontal cortex that helps you with his divine power and the truth from his word to take every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. So you get to choose what you think. You can direct your thoughts. So the antidote to worry and anxiety, as Apostle Paul said, and as Dr. Carolina Relief said, is it is prayer. That's how you combat your anxious mind. So what does prayer do? Prayer is focused thinking on who is in control. Don't miss the difference here. 
Worry is focused thinking on what is out of control, but prayer is focused thinking on who is in control. And prayer with thanksgiving is what allows your prefrontal cortex to grab your amygdala by the tail and say, nope, that anxiety is irrational. The God of the universe is with me, he's for me, and he, it just means that I can trust him no matter what, right? That's why the apostle Paul says, you pray with gratitude and it will give you peace. Now, what's also amazing about what the apostle Paul said is research not only shows that prayer will heal your brain, but research also is now showing that gratitude will reduce and lower your anxiety. So oftentimes when we read what the Apostle Paul go and wrote about, you know, we go, why? Why would he say prayer with thanksgiving? Well, here's what Tanya Peterson wrote about gratitude and anxiety. It's rather long, so stay with me. Mental health experts agree. Feeling and expressing gratitude helps anxiety. Once you know what gratitude is and is not, you can use thankfulness to improve your mental health. Being appreciative of things in your life doesn't mean you have to be grateful for having anxiety. It also isn't a magic wand that will poof away anxiety. But gratitude can rewire your brain to experience less anxiety. The effects of gratitude on, on health can be life-changing. Being grateful is a shift in how you view yourself and the world. It changes your focus from what is wrong to what is right. Isn't it amazing how science is starting to catch up with God's word? It's pretty incredible. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time you spent more time thanking God for what you have than being anxious for or for asking what you, for what you don't have? When is the last time you brought your request to God sandwiched between an overflow of gratitude for who he is and for what he's done? What would happen if you begin to treat worry and anxiety as a trigger to begin to express gratitude for everything that you have that is right and that is good? Literally, God, I'm really worried about my health, but I thank you for creating my body that it can heal. Thank you for giving doctors wisdom so that they can help me through this process. Or God, I, I am worried about my children, but thank you that you gave them to me. You must think I'm capable of handling this. So I'm gonna lean in. God, thank you that you love my children even more than I love them. You care about them even more than I care about them. I don't understand that, but thank you for that. Or God, I'm worried about having enough in this season, but I just wanna thank you for all that I do have. Thank you for giving me food to eat and clothes to wear and a roof over my head. And I'm absolutely gonna do my part, right? You know, I think some of you who started clapping there, I think all of us should celebrate that more every day. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's this whole mindset that, you know, God, I'm gonna do my part to work hard and follow your plan for financial management, but I'm trusting you with the rest, absolutely trusting you. I mean, imagine what could happen if you spent at least 12 minutes of focused prayer and you sandwiched your worry with gratitude. In fact, 
you don't have to imagine what would happen. Because remember the Apostle Paul, he, he told us. Let me put it back up here again. Here's what he said. And the what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm going to come to God sitting in this prison cell, knowing that, man, this could be the end of me. And I'm going to present my request to God, and I'm going to tell him all those things that I'm anxious and I'm worried about. But I'm not going to stop there. Because if I do, my focus is on the problem, not my provider. Don't miss that. See, if all we do is bring our petition to God in prayer and say, God, this is my problem, then all, and I stop there, then my focus is just on the problem, not my provider. No, the apostle Paul says, listen, I'm gonna be honest about what I'm worried about and what I'm anxious about, but then I'm gonna turn that into a session of gratitude. I'm gonna sandwich that in gratitude, and I'm gonna thank God that he's in control, and I'm gonna thank God that I already have more than I deserve, and I'm, think, I'm gonna thank God that even if the worst happens to me here and now, he will be with me, not only here, but for all eternity. So I'm gonna present my request with thanksgiving, which I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul said it, and now science is starting to catch up with it. It's gonna change my mindset, and it's gonna shift my focus, and in doing so, we have the promise of God's word, and science is behind it saying, it will decrease your anxiety. So prayer with thanksgiving, what does it do? It changes your focus, which is why he explains this in verse eight. He says, finally, brothers and sisters. Now, let me just tell you something. Anytime you're reading something the Apostle Paul writes and he uses this word finally, it doesn't mean what you think when you're reading a long passage of scripture. You go, "Who? finally, he's almost done. It doesn't mean that. No, what he says when he says finally is mean of everything you've heard me say, of everything you've read that I've written, this is the most important for you to remember. So he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, and this phrase, whatever, you see it all through this passage, it means focus on and do it again and again and again. Sometimes you will do this a hundred times a day. But he says, this is what you need to do. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So verse eight is that reminder. He's saying, listen, I, I want you to remember in this prayer and Thanksgiving thing, I want you to remember that you get to choose what you think about. Anxiety is not your master. Worry is not your boss. They don't control you anymore. They don't have to. You can take them thoughts into captivity and you're gonna go, no, I'm gonna think about whatever is true and I'm gonna think about whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and what is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. See, you can use prayer to refocus your mind on these things. That's what he's saying. What's right and what's good. He says, and you'll find in this process that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, worry, when you find yourself with worry, I always use it to remind me that worry says, I'm trusting me to figure this out. 
It's all on my shoulders. That's why we feel anxious. That's why we feel so stressed. Prayer with thanksgiving says, and it reminds me that I'm trusting God to handle this and I'm confident that he can handle it and he'll be with me in the process. See, worry is the sin of me trying to be my own God. Prayer with thanksgiving is the step that allows me to trust God and find peace. So here's my challenge to you. Would you begin practicing prayer with thanksgiving at least 12 minutes a day to combat your worries and your ancient mind? Wouldn't it be worth it? I mean, it's worth more than 12 minutes of your day. But, but we know that like focus prayer. And some of you say, how do I do that? Make sure you go to engage step two next month because we teach you how to do focus prayer. We, we teach you how to journal. That way you don't just bow your head and fall asleep or you bow your head and you start to pray and close your eyes. The next thing you know, you're thinking about something about you gotta do at work. No. And here's the thing. It's, it's not gonna be perfect when you start. It's, it's a skill that you just gotta keep getting better at. But will you commit to learning how you can pray or to pray so that you can experience peace that transcends all understanding? So here's my challenge to you to help you apply what we've talked about this week. Think about that thing that's weighing on you. For some of you, it's many things. It's creating so much stress and so much anxiety that it's almost paralyzing you. So think about that situation right now. It might be your teenagers, it might be your health, it might be something that possibly will happen in the future. I heard one guy tell me one time when I was so worried about something, he goes, he says, you know your worry works, doesn't it? He was being sarcastic. I said, why is that? He said, well, if you look back, 90% of what you worried about never happened. He was being so sarcastic. And he's, what he was saying is, you know, we waste so much our time worrying about things that never are gonna happen anyhow. So it might be something that will happen or could happen in the future. It might be a big decision that you're having to face or a challenge at work. It might be some kind of relationship issue that's got you stressed out and filled with anxiety. Think about what's creating your anxiety. And then here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna do what I can. You, you do what's in your control. If you have health problems, you go to the doctor. And I'm gonna help some of you spouses out. And you follow the doctor's advice. You, you do what you can. If you have a big test coming up, you study hard. Don't procrastinate. Don't go out, hang out with all your buddies and do all that. And then show up for, to study for that test like 11 o'clock at night and say, dear God, if you love me, you'll help me pass this test. <laughs> Don't do that. If you're worried about it, your teenagers, parent them well. Get emotionally healthy yourself. Lean in. Get the right people around them. Get them in student ministry. Have crucial conversations in the right way with the right kind of attitude. Set the boundaries they need for to be safe. You do your part. Or if you're scared, maybe you're sitting there, you're scared that you'll never get married. Here, just take a shower and brush your teeth and learn some basic manners. You know, be nice to people when you're around. Leave your house, right? Just do your part. So here's what we're gonna do with our anxiety. I'm gonna do what I can do. But here's the other thing we're gonna do. I'm going to give God what I can't do. Whatever's out of my control, I'm just gonna trust it in his hand. I'm gonna trust him with what I can't, no matter because of his character and his nature. He's already proven to me that he can be trusted. So I'm gonna pray and be grateful. I'm gonna combine 
prayer and gratitude together from this point on. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna pray and focus on who God is, not on my problems only. So I'm not just gonna stop with prayer, but I'm gonna add prayer and gratitude. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you'll begin to experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding. So every time that you start to feel worried or anxious this week, that is your amygdala kicking in. But use it as a trigger to pray and include thanksgiving in that prayer. God gave you a prefrontal cortex because he loves you and he cares about you. And he wants you to have the ability to take every thought into captivity. So engage it by praying because prayer with thanksgiving, it will rewire your brain and it will bring you the peace of God in your life. Remember as we said throughout this whole sermon series this, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And let me just tell you, if prayer is not a prominent part of your life, your life is gonna be moving in a direction you don't want it to move into. So here's the thing, if you don't like the direction that your life is taking, your thinking's taking you, you can change it. You can change your thinking and you can change your life and your heavenly father promises to be with you every step of the way. But you gotta pray with thanksgiving. And here's what will happen if you'll do this. You worry and feel anxiety a lot less. You'll be content and a whole lot more grateful and you'll be so much happier and have so much more peace. And your relationship with your heavenly father, I'm telling you, it's gonna get closer and closer and closer because God will be far more personal to you and your trust in him will skyrocket in ways that you never imagined. And the result of that is you'll start living a life that inspires others around you to trust God more, just like the apostle Paul did as we looked at last week. Because what you will see, they will see is a peace that will cause them to stop and ask, how are you handling this so well? See, this means it won't just change you. It will change your family. It will change your friends. It will change those people that are closest to you. So here's the thing. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What thoughts are consuming your life and therefore running your life? You're welcome to keep worrying and being anxious and stressed out if you want to. But I'm just gonna tell you, that won't change anything. It won't make your life better. In fact, what it will do is make your life worse. Or you can accept the invitation from your heavenly father today to trade your worry and anxiety for his perfect peace. But that only happens through prayer with thanksgiving and a commitment to it to be in a daily walk and relationship with him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible, incredible lesson that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write in one of the most tense and anxious moments of his life while sitting in a prison with the potential that it could lead to the end of his life. God, I just thank you that there is not only your inspired word to help us understand that this, this is life-changing, but now science is catching up with that and saying, oh, it works. It absolutely works. So I just pray with this information, we won't walk out and think everything will go well, but we will walk out committed to applying it. God, help us to be people of prayer. Not just prayer, but people who pray with thanksgiving until the peace comes. 
And I thank you for your promise. And I thank you for the person of your Holy Spirit that indwells us. And even in our times of prayer to you, when we don't know how to say the depth of what we feel, you promise that your Holy Spirit that indwells us makes intercession for us, communicates to God going, oh, they told you this, but they even feel this even at a deeper level. And that you as our heavenly father, you care about us. So I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to live and experience peace no matter what's going on in our world around us. God, may we be committed to be thought warriors from this day forward. May we be committed to take every thought into captivity. When that amygdala tries to hijack us, I just pray that we'll lean back in and allow the prefrontal cortex to, to just, because we have the truth of God's word, because we have your divine power, the Holy Spirit, and because we understand that prayer with thanksgiving, those are all our tools. We'll take every thought into captivity and bring it to the obedience of Jesus Christ and experience your peace. I thank you for that incredible opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this uh, wraps up our, our series. And so um, you wanna finish reading the book. If you haven't done that, don't walk out yet because I wanna tell you about this next week. So next Sunday, we're starting a brand new sermon series. It'll be a great week for you to invite some people. We're gonna do a series called The Bible for Grownups. It's gonna be a four-week series on the story of the Bible. And it's important you understand the story of the Bible. I explain that. And then at the end, we're gonna do a three-hour seminar on a Saturday on helping you understand a survey of the Bible so you can get a grasp of God's Word. So you make sure that you invite somebody to join you next week. But we just wanna kind of give you kind of something to create a little tension in your mind about your relationship with the Bible before you leave. So watch the side screens. Yes, that's the book for me. What are you doing? Uh, nothing. 